Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, it's always good to be here, brother. Yes, that was sir. weird. Like the opening of the show, for some bizarre reason, caught me by surprise. <laughs> I don't know what I thought the three, two, one was about. Like three, two, one, like a jack in a box was going to jump out what? or something. Like a movie was going to start. Like no, no, that means you. That means go. <laughs> like talk. It's called the Dan Bongino show. Pop goes the this weasel. This isn't the. It's not the Avengers Endgame. Like there's not going to be a movie starting behind. No. I'm serious. I was just like caught off guard by my own countdown. Uh, amazing. Leave that in the show. That's great. I, I love how you do this. All right. I got a stack show for you today. Some very important news. Um, there's an uprising going on in Venezuela. I'm not going to call it a coup because it's not a coup. Uh, Maduro, the socialist savage animal tyrant, is not a legitimate leader uh, of Venezuela. So it's not a coup. Nope. Uh, he is a tyrant who basically took charge of his country, Was was uh, is not legitimate, was not voted in by a legitimate election. So it's not a coup. I got that. And I've got some hat tip Nicholas Balazi of PJ Media for an awesome interview uh, with Ben Rhodes, Obama administration hack, who he just like mm. nails the Ben Rhodes, uh, 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 stumbling, bumbling <laughs> oh, over what the Obama administration knew. It's really, <laughs> it really terrific video. I know you liked it too, Joe. It's oh, good man. stuff. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Freedom Project Academy. Hey, right now, there are 50 million kids attending America's public schools. The left isn't even hiding it anymore. They've made it clear their intention is indoctrination, not education, and indoctrinating the next generation in their ideology. Real-world skills kids can actually use, like reading, writing, and arithmetic in American history, have been replaced with social justice, gender confusion, and test-driven instruction in the classroom. Thankfully, you have a choice, and this is why Freedom Project Academy was created. Freedom Project Academy is an accredited, classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students in kindergarten, all the way through high school, Freedom Project Academy has taken the interaction of the traditional classroom and created an online atmosphere where students across the country are instructed by live teachers in small classes who teach students how to think, not what to think. What a revolutionary idea, right? Yeah. Let's get kids back to learning. Go to freedomforschool.com and request your free information packet today. That's freedomforschool.com. Enroll by uh, March 31st. Excuse me. Enroll now to take advantage of the best early bird discount. And don't forget to subscribe to their weekly podcast, The Dr. Duke Show. Sorry, I had to update that. Enroll now to take advantage of the best early bird discount. Uh, uh, sorry, folks. Take back control of your kids' education. Freedomforschool.com. Freedomforschool.com. <laughs> Man. Oh, boy. All right. Let's, All yes, right, bell. That Joe's like... Saved by the bell. Okay, first, Venezuela is not a coup. Um, this is an uprising. Uh, the now legitimate leader, Juan Guaido, military forces have aligned behind him. Um, it looks like we are going to see one of the more significant geopolitical events of our time today if this uprising is successful and they can take back uh, Venezuela from an illegitimate leader in Nicolas Maduro, who uh, is, is probably in hiding right now because he's a chump. I pulled a couple of key pieces of video for you. Um, here's video number one of forces loyal to Guaido, Juan Guaido, the legitimate leader of Venezuela, stopping Maduro's forces and pulling them out at gunpoint. Looks like there's an arrest going on here. Play that first cut. <laughs> Libertad, libertad, 
woman in the background is screaming liberty in Spanish. Mm. Um, second video, we have uh, some some pro uh, uh, excuse me pro Guaido forces defecting, walking out to a line of people who again are chanting liberty in Spanish, libertad uh, in Spanish as they walk out. So this is all a positive, good sign. Play that video. You know, folks, uh, I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because there'll be a lot of cable news coverage and you'll get to see a lot of it tonight. Um, and I do have a lot of stories to get to. We have a stack show. I have up to seven or eight stories, depending on what we get to today. But on a very serious note, you try to put your boot on the neck of human liberty and freedom. And the inevitable result every time, it may take some, it may take some time to get there, is that people are not going to take it. People were born free. You were given God-given big all rights. These are not granted by man. Man has only tried to take them away. But people will always yearn to be free. And what's happened in Venezuela through this socialist tyrant, Chavez and now Maduro, and the taking of people's economic liberty, their healthcare liberty, their education liberty, in some cases political prisoners taking their actual freedom, the torture, the deprivation, the starvation going on in Venezuela right now. Human beings are not going to tolerate that. And eventually, eventually when they can organize, and get over what econ economists call the prisoner's dilemma, the coordination problem. I don't, I don't mean prisoner's dilemma in a pejorative way towards these people. It's an economic term. But when they can get, again, when they can get over the, the hump of the coordination problem, you will always see a revolt. Whether it was from Ceausescu to the Soviet Union, people will not accept a boot on their necks. I wish the people of Venezuela well. My prayers sincerely are with you today. The average Venezuelans lost 20 pounds being starved out by socialist savages. And the leftist freaks in this country and radicals who want to bring this dumpster fire of a system called socialism here to the United States. What the hell do you think these people today are revolting against? They're revolting against the exact system of governance you tragically, ignorantly, you want to bring here. You maniacs. What's wrong with you? God bless the people of Venezuela. Tomorrow we'll obviously have some updates on this. I'll follow this as the day goes on. All right, moving on. So this is just some stunning video. Ben Rhodes, former Obama national security hack, uh, one of the deputies to Susan Rice, another co-conspirator in the unmasking, spying scandal of the Obama administration. Uh, ben Rhodes was at a book signing and a PJ Media a writer by the name of Nicholas Belazi um, did it. And I linked to his piece on my website today. Did, did got, somehow got an interview with Rhodes. I mean, he yeah. did a great job. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. And Rhodes sat for the interview, which is astonishing. Now, just so you understand Ben Rhodes' involvement in this, Ben Rhodes was one of the most unqualified people in human history to ever get a national security position of leadership in the White House. Ben Rhodes was a fiction writer. He had no background in national security at all. Zero. He was a fiction writer. He somehow manages to weasel his way into the national security infrastructure of the Obama White House and became infamous for giving that interview to a magazine, Joe, where he talked about how stupid the media was and how successful him and Obama were at manipulating the stupid yeah. media on foreign policy because he didn't think they knew anything. Yeah. Which I thought was a fascinating thing to say <laughs> to media outlets. And by the way, 
If that was a Trump administration official who had said that, Joe, there would be an open revolt in the media. But because it was an Obama administration official that told the media how stupid they were and how they lie to them all the time, the media, like a bunch of barking seals, they they sucked (laughs) it up like dogs licking from thirsty dogs drinking from a bowl. Dopes. Because they thought it's like the beat. Yeah. <laughs> the beatings will continue until morale improves. I mean, this is how pathetic and sad the media is. Ben Rhodes gives an interview and tells them what idiots they are, and they love it. They can't get enough of it. So this guy, and forgive me, Nicholas, if I'm saying your name wrong, Belazy, gets this interview with Rhodes, and watch Rhodes stumble when Belazy asks him about the <laughs> genesis of the spying operation, the dossier, and what the White House knew. Watch Ro- he's uh, uh, watch this. Do you think they're going to find anything? No. In the, no, no, no. With their investigation? No, 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 no. Look, look I can't be clear enough about this. We didn't know that there was an FBI investigation of Trump. I didn't. President Obama didn't. Like, we don't. We actually abided by the firewalls between. If there were any investigations that took place, those decisions were made in the Justice Department in the FBI, not in the White House. They will find nothing that suggests that there was any political White House involvement in any of that. Okay. Okie dokie doggy daddy for those of you who watch True Romance. One of my favorite <sighs> flicks back in the day. So Ben Rhodes, uh, 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 they're not going to find anything. Like, you know, uh, we didn't know anything. We followed the rules. We didn't know anything about the investigation. Really? Now, I've been talking about this for the last few days, but I wanted to produce the actual text. And the, just to show you how, I mean, the lies just, fl- they're so fluid. So Rhodes is working with Susan Rice in this national security infrastructure, right? In the White House mm-hmm. under Obama. We already know what I've called Plan A, Susan Rice and the, the, the record number of unmasking requests. In other words, the wiretapping of phone calls with foreigners where U.S. citizens are supposed to have their identities hidden because you can't just spy on American right. citizens, regardless of who they're talking to, if they're not violating the law. Right. There's an end around about that where for national security reasons, they can unmask their identities and essentially wiretap people, which is disgraceful, but it happens. The Obama administration and Susan Rice was doing this in record numbers. Rhodes had to know about this. Now, on the big general point about did the White House know about the investigation into Trump? Let's be clear. The lead here, Ben Rhodes, Obama White House didn't know about the investigation into Trump. Really? Let's produce the actual evidence right now. Here is a text from August. This is an August text. This is from NBC News. FBI text. Obama wants to know everything we're doing. Excuse me. This is the September one. From that piece. Here's the actual text. This, uh, you know, the, keep in mind, I'm talking about Obama wants to know everything they're doing. All right. From the, from the piece. In a September 2nd, tw- uh, 2016 text exchange, Lisa Page writes that she was preparing the talking points because POTUS an acronym for President of the United States, referring to Obama, it's September of 2016, wants to know everything we're doing. Guys, ladies, just so we're clear, Ben Rhodes, Obama national security hack, working for Susan Rice, is claiming the Obama White House knew nothing about the investigation into Trump. Yet on September 2nd of 2016, the FBI lawyer working on that exact case at the time, Texas, the lead investigator of said case, POTUS wants to know everything we're doing. Is anyone in the media even a little, a smidgen curious about what that means? Anyone? 
Again, I want to send a sincere thank you to all the citizen journalists out there who have filled the massive vacuum left by the hacks in the mainstream media who've gone full-blown liberal activists, gaslight Pravda propagandists, who are not even a little bit interested about what Obama wanted to know when the FBI agents investigating Trump said, POTUS wants to know everything. There's an August tweet. The, right, the White House is running this. This is another infamous tweet between the FBI lawyers. Here it is. Article from Fox News. I'll put these in the show notes today by Brooke Singman, who does good work. Grassley rips stroke page redactions amid mystery texts. Obama's White House is running this. You want to read the exact set of tweets? I'll put them in the show notes today. Here you go. Two days later, this is after this whole big hullabaloo about the case. Stroke texted Page. Hey, talk to him. We'll let, we'll let him fill you in. This is key. Internal joint cyber CD intel piece for D. I'll translate all this. Don't worry about it. Scene setter for McDonough brief. Trainer directed all cyber info be pulled. I'll let Bill and Jim hammer it out first. Though it would be best for D to have it before the Wednesday White House session. What does that mean? Who's McDonough? Why are they talking about Jim Comey, D, in this case? In more ways than one. <laughs> Some of you will get that. And Jim Comey, D for director and for other things. Comey's going to a Wednesday White House meeting. They're talking about pulling the cyber on this Russia probe that the White House supposedly doesn't know about, Joe. Oh, yeah. And they're talking about a briefing with McDonough. Who is McDonough? Dennis McDonough is the White House chief of staff. But no, 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 Joe, Joe, time out. Time mm -hmm. out. Yes. Ben Rhodes just told us the White House didn't know anything. So these texts are clearly all, they're all they are all made up oh, fabricated. We're just, Joe edited this whole thing. Bunch Joe just made that up. We're putting our credibility yeah. on the line here. <laughs> so first we have a bunch of texts. The White House is running this. The second uh, text on that same August uh, series of texts, the White House is running this. They're talking about a briefing with the D, Jim Comey who is re really fulfills that, uh, that, that, that shortage of his uh, title well, uh, Jim Comey, who's going to the White House. They're talking about briefing McDonough. Second, they have this POTUS wants to know everything text just weeks later. And then we have this October exchange. Again, another report from Fox News, Gregory and Catherine Herridge, about a White House meeting. Another White House meeting that Ben Rhodes is telling us didn't happen. Here's the article. FBI clashed with DOJ over potential bias of source for surveillance warrant. McCabe page text. What does the piece say? Listen to this. This is a little bit longer one. This text exchange. This is between Andy McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI and others uh, involved in this little cabal of idiots. This is a, uh, this is killer stuff here. Again, this is supposedly on white house meetings where, where that didn't happen on October 14, 2016. Remember Obama is still the president. Lisa Page again writes to McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI, concerning a meeting with the White House. Hold on, keep that up. That's not possible, Joe. Ben Rhodes just told us the White House didn't know anything about this. I'm confused. So the deputy director and the FBI lawyer working on this are now talking about a meeting at the White House. Here's the text. Just called, Lisa Page says to McCabe. Apparently, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates now wants to be there. Another Trump hater. And White House wants DOJ to host. How can that be? The White House doesn't know. Goes on. So we are setting that up now. What are they setting up, Joe? I thought there was no White House involvement. <laughs> we will very much need to get Cohen's view before we meet with her. Talking about Sally Yates. Cohen, by the way, is the uh, deputy director of the CIA, David Cohen. 
Better to have him weigh in with her before the meeting. We need to speak with one voice if that is the case. McCabe responds within the hour. Thanks. I'll reach out to David. Again, talking about the CIA deputy director. Page wrote to McCabe that, quote, the meeting with White House counsel is finally set up. (laughs) Folks, don't worry. None of this ever happened. The White House didn't know anything. Despite the fact that the lead FBI lawyer, one of them working on the case, Lisa Page. Sorry, I got an itch. I got eaten alive by mosquitoes this weekend. Um, Andy McCabe and Lisa Page are talking about a White House meeting, coordinating one voice with the White House, with the CIA deputy director, right around the time that the Trump probe is heating up and the Russiagate probe. But how is that? How is that? We heard the White House doesn't know anything. Now do you see why Ben Rhodes is stumbling and bumbling? Now, Uh. the real reason Rhodes and Sally Yates are talking now, remember we did Sally Yates yesterday, the deputy attorney general who hates Trump. The real reason, Joe, they're speaking out now is crystal clear. The reason they're speaking out now is because people have severe liability. Their reputations are going to be ruined for life. And some of them, if they were involved in criminal leaks and potentially listed spying, may have... There may be some civil or criminal liability for these people. So again, they're trying to get out ahead of this and disconnect the Obama White House from any of this. Hey, Obama didn't know anything. Look, I was Ben Rose. I was there. Mm -hmm. We didn't know anything. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is the facts are not on their side. It's clear as day if you read these texts and these series of texts that they have no plausible deniability at this point. Now, when the redactions are unredacted and we see the full scope of these texts, I believe the damage done is going to be even worse. Ben Rhodes is in a world of trouble. He was in that national security hierarchy in the Obama White House as they were engaged unquestionably in one of the most potent, destructive political spying scandals in modern U.S. history. Indicating otherwise and pretending it didn't exist is going to get them nowhere, but it's the only thing they have now. They don't have anything else. Again, hat tip to this Nicholas Belazi. A good job. Uh, and his, yeah, his article's up at PJ Media. Yeah, well, well, I mean, really, great interview. I mean, the interview goes yeah. on a little bit longer if you want to watch the whole thing and his PJ Media um, article there. Um, I retweeted it this morning on my Twitter account. It goes on a little longer, and, and you know, th- there's a lot of other denials in there, but I've covered this stuff. Some of it's just dumb. Like, Rhodes goes on to say, you know, Joe, at one point, well, we didn't even know about the <laughs> dossier. Well, really? Because you're getting briefed in the White House yeah. about a FISA surveillance warrant case based on Carter Page, where the information only came from the dossier and Christopher Steele. So again, are you playing word games? Did you not know about the dossier, as we discussed last week, because that was given to the Clinton campaign? But the exact same information was, tran- was transmitted from Steele to Bruce Orr? in some kind of oral format or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, we don't know about the dossier. All that was the same information. They're playing word games. That's all they're doing. It's such a scam. And it's obvious to anyone who's followed this case. Ben Rhodes is in a world of trouble. And, and there one, more, one more thing too before I move on. Sorry, but this is important. You know, yesterday we discussed how this is a double whammy. Because the Obama administration former officials now, Ben Rhodes, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, John Brennan, they have two talking points. We didn't know about the case against Trump, number one. The FBI was doing that, trying to throw them under the bus. And number two, you know, the Russians interfered with the election and we did everything we could. Talking point one, we just entirely debunked. These series of texts are devastating. There is no doubt in any rational person's mind that the White House was, quote, running this. None. Their quote, not mine. This investigation. But secondly... 
This whole point that the Russians interfere in the election and the White House, the Obama White House did, you know, tried to do everything they could about it is entirely debunked by Obama's own words we played yesterday. We played his October Rose Garden speech where Obama's crystal clear. No one can interfere in our elections. The elections can't be rigged. It's impossible. You go, Trump, you're crazy. They didn't do it. They didn't even believe it was possible. Nothing the Obama White House and these former White House people told you is true. That Ben Rhodes interview is going to come back to haunt them. So again, nice job uh, by that PJ Media author. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. They make some of uh, the best nutrition products on the market. My personal favorite is this one, Foundation. Love it. It's a brand new bottle we got from Miles. You can see that one's full. Uh, other one inside. I was waiting on my kitchen counter. It's open. Why? Because I'm getting ready to go to the gym after the show, and I take foundation before going to the gym. Check this out. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. It is the finest nutrition supplement I've ever taken because it does a couple things. Makes you look better. Makes you feel better. It actually does three things. It makes you perform better, too. Uh, I always recommend you try the seven-day mirror test for foundation. I'm telling you. Don't take my word for it. Give it take, your, take a little look at what you look like in the mirror now. Take a mental snapshot. Then try the product. Give it about seven days to work. It's a creatine ATP blend. Come back seven days later. You are going to love how you look. Make you perform better in the gym. Make you look better. Make you feel better. I like it. I take a couple before the show, a couple after the show, right before I go to the gym. I love this product. It's terrific. I know little Joe, Joe's son, hey. he's not so little anymore. Thanks to Foundation Legend. Yeah. I have a nephew who drove up once from Fort Lauderdale to get an extra bottle of this stuff. It's terrific. Give it a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Try Foundation today. Send me your results. The reviews on the product are always fantastic. That's why we put our email on the website. Love to hear your reviews. I sent them off to Miles, who owns the company. They love producing good products. Go check it out. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Check out Foundation today. Hey, I got a, I got one right. for you, Dan. This seems yeah. like the opportune moment. Yeah. What's going yeah. on with the shoulders, dude? It looks like they're getting oh, man. bigger. You're losing your neck. The yeah, yeah, I know. I, yesterday we were joking. Around. Yeah, you know yeah, what happened, folks? Uh, yeah. I had these two surgeries. You can see kind of some of the scars you see there on my arm and yeah. stuff. And then I had my elbow operated on. And it took me a little bit longer than I thought to recover. And I was doing a lot of cardio, but I couldn't do any weights. And the mm. thing about cardio is it's great for losing weight, but you lose muscle too. So I was down like 20 pounds. And the weird thing is, Joe, mm. taking off like three weeks from weightlifting, but not from exercising and just yeah. doing cardio. When I got back and started lifting again, I like, I, it's like I exploded. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's I, I did. I mean, I put on like 15 pounds of muscle in I like two weeks. I don't know if it's because my energy stores were high or, or what, but man, I just got that yesterday. We were joking. I had that do not feed the bear shirt on. <laughs> Felt like I had some bowling balls on my neck. Paula's like, sit up straight. Sit up straight. <laughs> so, yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate it. That's a nice compliment. I've been lifting oh, pretty good. Okay. We did not plan that. I don't no. tell Joe. I don't pay him before the show for compliments. But, no, I've been lifting. Today's deadlift day, too. All so right. I'll see all my buddies in the gym. Sometimes I go to the gym. It's funny. People are listening to my show in the gym if it gets out in time. Mm. They're like, hey, I listen to your show right now. I'm like, I just recorded it. All right, thanks, man. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe. Hannity calls him Creepy Joe, Sleepy Creepy Joe, did his first campaign rally yesterday. Oh, my gosh, what a snoozer. <laughs> Those of you watching the YouTube right now, we have video of uh, this poor young man sitting behind Joe Biden, literally yawning in the middle of the event. I had to watch this, unfortunately. Um, I didn't watch the whole 
thing because he had a bunch of, but I did watch the Joe Biden portion when he came up. I had to watch it to get kind of a full spectrum view of one of Trump's primary contenders. No question Biden's a serious contender. He's at the top of the polls. Yeah. Uh, but, but what his campaign was going to look like. And folks, I'm not kidding. I'm not pretending to be, uh, you know, in any way objective here. I'm a supporter of the president. I'm a conservative. Biden's a radical leftist. He's transformed himself into one over the years. He was one of the you know primary architects of the Obama-Biden agenda, take over our healthcare system, the disastrous student loan industry collapse, this horrible foreign policy. I mean, they were just awful, Obama and Biden. The list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. But I can candidly tell you, trying to be as objective as possible, it was a snoozer. The speech was a snoozer. Um, he, he slurred his way through it a lot. I'm not going to play that video. You'll see it everywhere today because, you know, I don't want to, I don't know. Maybe the guy was tired. I don't really care. It was just a boring speech. It was boring. Um, I got one snippet from it. We'll play in a second. Um, but it was an awful speech and it wasn't, it's not just that it was awful. Here's the problem Biden's going to have. And uh, I haven't heard anybody really talk about this. Forgive me. I'm, I'm sure somebody has, but I didn't see it yesterday on the news. The problem is Donald Trump has reset the benchmark for what a political rally should look like. Folks, listen, I did this for a long time in my prior line of work as an advance agent, right? This Mm -hmm. is all we did for five years on the president's detail. You go out and you do advances with the White House staff and you get a good flavor for what rallies should look like. And my wife said to me yesterday, we were kind of chatting, or maybe the day before, I don't remember, uh, watching the Wisconsin rally rally for Trump. And Trump's getting between 15 and 20,000 people at a rally. And she said to me, you know, when you were doing Obama's detail, what did those crowds look like? And I said, in the beginning, you know, they they were big, you know, somewhat comparable. But, you know, two years in, three years in, they were kind of dead. By the second administration, nobody cared at all. I remember doing an uh, an elite advisor operation where I was advising a new lead advance agent in in Newark, in New New Jersey, where he was going to support John Corzine's re-election for governor. Corzine lost, of course, to Chris Christie. And they had rented out the Devils, the hockey team, their stadium, and it sat, I don't know, 20,000 people. They expected to fill that thing up. Folks, the crowd was less than half. It was 8,000. Hmm. They had to block off the upper layer uh, with you know, with, with cloth, with these blue cloths to make it look like the place was crowded. There was 8,000 people for that kind of rally near Election Day. was pathetic. The problem Biden's going to have now, Joe, is they're covering these rallies, these little rallies at union halls and everything, where like 400 people mm-hmm. showed up. And compared to what people are used to for this new benchmark Trump has set, where every rally he goes to is 10, 15, 20,000 people, yeah. it just looks, I don't know, like boring. Yeah. It just does. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I get it. I'm not trying to pretend I'm some kind of, you know, f- completely impartial observer here, but it just looks boring. Yeah, man. And I think Trump is going to have this counter programming effect where he does say a rally a week or a rally every two weeks up until election season gets hot and heavy, where he'll probably start doing them two or three times a week. He's going to start filling out arenas with 10, 15,000 people. And, you know, what's Biden going to have? You know, uh, he's going to be at the local five guys talking to four. It's just going to look (laughs) bad. And campaigns are two things. They are snapshots and sound bites. They're pictures and quickie sound bites. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's what campaigns are. 
People do not vote, a lot of them largely on policy prescriptions. A lot of Democrats are already in their corner. A lot of Republicans are in theirs. It's a couple quick sound bites and some good snapshots, you know, kissing a baby or whatever that can change the tide of an election among independents. The snapshots for Biden yesterday were awful. Kid yawning in the background, you know, 400 people show up. That's it. That's the best you've got. Trump could have held a rally in Pittsburgh where Biden was and turned out probably five, 10,000 people on a day's notice. The optics are very bad, folks, and they're going to have a real problem with that. But here was a piece from the Biden rally. I tried to pull out um, some of the more ridiculous stuff. And here's just one where, where Biden just tosses out this, again, this line that sounds great. This is, again, this is one of the sound bites he wants in there, air quotes there. But it speaks to their just ignorance on economics. Play this cut. And then we have to move on and finish the job and make health care. Make health care a right. Health care is a right, not a privilege. We have to give everybody the peace of mind they deserve. Whether you're covering it through your employer or on your own or not, you all should have a choice to be able to buy into a public option plan for Medicare. Your choice. And if the insurance company isn't doing the right thing by you, should have another choice. It means rebuilding America. Folks, okay. listen, this is, again, the soundbite. Okay, Joe, well, <laughs> healthcare's a right. Okay, great. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Healthcare's a right, not a privilege. No, it's neither. Healthcare is not a right or a privilege, Joe. Healthcare mm-hmm. is an economic good. It is a service that is provided for by people who have to pay for the service. This is why it's I, I could never be a liberal. It requires you to suspend disbelief. It's like they're proud of not knowing anything. It's like, it would, Joe, they think when yeah. you declare that health care is a right, that all the problems go, health care is a right. Okay, health care is a right. Healthcare, all of them. You got yeah. Bernie, you got Kamala Harris. They declare health care is a right. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all the problems associated with health care, lack of doctors, Medical technology, hospital beds, rent for hospitals, doctor salaries, administrative staff salaries, all of the issues we have in a normal functioning economy go away because Joe Biden gets up there and goes, healthcare is a right. It's not a, it's neither. (laughs) It is an economic service provided by people who have to be compensated. There should be no profit in medicine. Biden didn't say that, but other liberal, you know, uh, other liberals who don't understand basic economics will say that all the time. There should be no profit in medicine. So there should be no revenue stream. So you're suggesting what? Doctors, nurses, administrative staff, custodians in the hospital should work for free? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying? Do you live in the real world? I'm serious. It's like liberals are proud of the fact that they don't actually know anything. Healthcare's the right. Oh, okay. There you go. Problem solved, Joe. Thanks. This is the show All over. Right. Here you go, Paula. 3106. End of the show. Goodbye. <laughs> Health Joe Biden said healthcare's the right. Problem solved. It's not a right. It's not a privilege. It is a service provided by hardworking, dedicated doctors who spend their entire life studying to help you. They are compensated for that. And to create incentives for very smart people. And good people, like the overwhelming majority of doctors are, there's bad seeds everywhere. But most of the doctors I, I know and have, you know, helped me, the one that operated on my elbow was fantastic, mm-hmm. are just good people looking to help, but we have to compensate them. Is this hard for you to understand? I don't understand. We 
sanitation workers, cops, firemen, military, architects, engineers, pilots, they're compensated for the work they put in to provide a service you need. You need an architect for your house? What do you you expect them to volunteer? Should be no profit in architecture. It's as dumb as saying there should be no profit in medicine. So an architect goes to school for four years, maybe six, and they should be compensated, but a doctor who goes to school for what, 10, maybe 15, when he's done with his internship and residencies, a college, maybe a master's degree here and there, the doctor's supposed to work for free because Joe Biden said so. Very weird. Thanks, Pee Wee. (laughs) <laughs> it's very weird. That's one of my. That's one of my. Gro- I, that that soundbite's really growing on me. By the way, uh, oh, Pee Wee's got a weird a little bit. You create a. <laughs> you declare something a right. You confer an obligation on someone else. Whenever someone does that, healthcare's a right, not no, not a privilege. No, it's neither. It is a service, and declaring it a right creates an obligation on someone else. That obligation, if you declare it a right, in other words, anybody, Joe, anytime can walk into a doctor's service and demand services, you create an indentured servant. You're suggesting what? Doctors should work for free? Listen, I don't want to belabor this point. I've got a lot more to get to. It's really going to be a stacked show today. But really, be proud, and I mean that. And I'm, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or too laudatory in my audience, but you're really smart. I read your emails. They're really terrific. Thank you, by the way, to the fireman who emailed me yesterday who said, listen, you speak for us on this, too. We're not, we're not, I don't know what they're talking about endorsing Biden. They didn't endorse Biden, not the fireman I knew. And to the doctors, by the way, I got an email, a nice email from the doctor. But, you know, be proud of yourself. I mean this. You guys and ladies out there listening to the show, do your homework. You're smart people. You understand that the world is not an easy place full of stupid, easy answers. Like, healthcare is a right. It doesn't solve anything. We have a service delivery problem in the healthcare industry. A service delivery problem of healthcare services to people who need it that is being exacerbated, the problem, by the interference of government in that free market. You're not going to fix the problem by just saying, oh, it's a right. This is just total, complete ignorance. And Biden's not the brightest bulb out there, but he's not dumb. He knows what he's saying is ridiculous. He's just saying it anyway because, again, campaigns are snapshots and sound bites. And he failed on both. He had the snoring guy in the background, and his sound bite was just pure, unadulterated economic ignorance. All right, moving on. So uh, yesterday we had, I, I don't discuss a lot of foreign policy on the show. I'd like to start doing some more of it. Um, I, obviously, we opened up with Venezuela today because this is going to be I mean, this is a huge event. This oh, is yeah. going to be one of those mark your date uh, moments if they can get rid of Maduro. Uh, this guy is just a, you know, a, 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 an animal, a disgrace, and he deserves to go. But there was also another interesting event yesterday. Um, Al-Baghdadi, another savage uh, pig of a human being, ISIS leader al-Baghdadi reappeared yesterday after five years. Uh, this is from the Daily Mail. I'll put it in the show notes. ISIS uh, releases a new video showing their leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, is alive. Makes his first appearance since 2014, hailing the Sri Lanka attacks and vowing to avenge his defeated militants. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this story, but I do want to bring up two key points. Uh, there was some thought out there that he may, have, may be dead. Obviously, him citing the Sri Lanka attacks, uh, which is 
you know, obvious proof of life, right, Joe? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can't do a video about the Sri Lanka attacks before they happen. Right. So uh, if that is, in fact, Baghdadi, which everybody seems to believe it is, um, then he's obviously still alive. But secondly, you know, on the foreign policy front, this is something I discussed a while ago. Uh, it's been a recurrent theme in my show. I think this is where the foreign policy establishment in our counter-terror fight gets us wrong. How many times, Joe, have we heard, well, if we don't fight them there, we're going to fight them here? Yeah, And it lends to this, we hear it all the time. Uh, You hear it all the time from the foreign policy establishment that thinks we're all idiots and they all have all the answers. I'm not, you know, trying to discredit them. Some of them go to school for a long time and they learn some valuable things. You know, I'm not one of these guys, I'm not going to knock education. Education is a good thing. But because you've been educated on, you know, the the history of Afghanistan and, you know, counterterror and the reason doesn't mean you're, you know, you're Karnak and predict the future. Sometimes you're wrong. And the foreign policy establishment, I think, is wrong on this approach. And this resurfacing of al-Baghdadi, I think, I'm not going to say proves my point, but lends credence and evidence to the point that this we're going to fight them over the air so we don't have to fight them here point is ridiculous. We did fight them over there. Matter of fact, the Trump administration largely wiped out ISIS. They've lost the control of this large landmass they've had, and they've now been relegated to small pockets of resistance. But ladies and gentlemen, in this internet, social media, YouTube era, where you can just put out a video like Baghdadi did calling for attacks and radicalize people all over the world, it kind of knocks down this approach that we should constantly send our troops overseas to, quote, fight them over there or else we won't fight them here. My point is that you can fight them over there, but you're still going to fight them here no matter what. There's nothing wiping them out overseas is going to do to stop some loser savage like this jerk from doing a video and then radicalizing some other maniac to go attack on U.S. soil. Nothing. You see my point, Joe? I do, yeah. Yeah, fighting them over there. Listen, that was it was a tremendous success. ISIS controlled the, the, what they thought was their caliphate. They got wiped out. Their landmass wiped out. They're... they're, they're they're, they're, the savages over there were killed in mass, but we're still seeing these videos. And in this new social media generation where people can radicalize themselves watching these videos, I'm not sure it's going to make as much of a difference as people think it is, this fight them over their policy. My point in this is this. Why not focus, instead of these overseas combat zones we're in, on hardening the United States? Our immigration process, a border wall, hardening up our borders, hardening up our intel services to make sure they're not spying on presidential candidates and doing the real work of unmasking terrorists. Why not hardening up our FBI, our federal law enforcement infrastructure, refocus them on that? Why are we again? Why are we focusing on 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 being why are we being firemen like putting out these fires in advance instead of being arsonists overseas sometimes? Folks, we could dedicate a lot of those assets here. And I'm not sure this fight them over there so we don't have to fight them here approach. is All you need is one maniac, as we saw this weekend, to do harm. That's it. And as we saw it in Sri Lanka or a couple maniacs there in New Zealand, we need to harden the United States up, folks. We live here first. Stopping them there is not necessarily going to equate to stopping them here. And I wish we would get away from some of that. It's I, I don't I don't buy that approach. All right, folks, today's show uh, finally brought to you by our buddies at ExpressVPN. We love ExpressVPN in our house. Admit it, you think cybercrime is something that happens to other people. You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit details, but you'd be wrong. 
Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, it's a big mistake. You might as well be writing your pass, uh, passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why my family decided to take action. We protect ourselves from cyber criminals using ExpressVPN here. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN is easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablets. Really easy to use. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino today to learn more. Okay, uh, moving on. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I talk about sound bites and snapshots and mm -hmm. how, you know, it's so easy to be liberal. So it is because you never have to actually do things like facts and data. I kind of hit Chris Hahn last night on that in my debate on uh, um uh, my debate on, uh, sorry, I just got a text on the screen there to my right. Uh, when I, when I debated him last night and, on economic stuff and Chris had no idea what he was talking about, they just have this tough time with facts and data liberals because they never, ever align with their argument. So CNBC has this interesting report about minimum wage, which is just, uh, I, I want to say totally, completely unsurprising. Um, if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, but I'll bring it up anyway, just to show you how liberals just never, ever get this right. Higher minimum wage means restaurants raise prices and fewer employee hours survey fines. Boom! Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Again, this is like... This is like unbreaking news. Really? If you're if you're a, a sane, sentient being who follows basic economics, there are few areas of economics before the radicalization of economics by liberals, where there was this fine and 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 broad as a I should say as broad uh, consensus that minimum wage costs low income workers. It doesn't help them. But poli but economics has been radicalized like politics, and you have this. So restaurants responded to this minimum wage hike by cutting the hours of their employees and raising the prices for their customers. Ladies and gentlemen, it, uh, you know what? I, I don't even want to, This is just so dumb. I can't even believe we got to talk about this on this show, but this is just the insanity of liberals. We're going to demand higher wages. Well, where's the money going to come from? It's going to come from the money fairy, of course. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a lemonade stand, Let's do this really simple, like kid logic, because liberals have a really tough time with adult logic. And hiring an extra employee is going to make you $9 more an hour because you have an extra employee and can sell more lemonade. Let's do simple terms. Like a lemonade is a dollar, and by hiring another employee, you can sell nine more lemonades. Nine, one, nine more, nine. So what's that employee worth to you? About $9 an hour. Real simple. Nine, your folks, nine $1 glasses of lemonade for liberals. I'm going to do this slow like it's romper room. That one employee can sell nine lemonades at $1. When the government comes in and tells Captain Lemonade Stand, hey, 
you have to pay that employee $15 an hour. The employee only produces, watch liberals, $9 in revenue. Yet the government says you have to pay him $15 an hour. $15 an hour is more than $9 an hour. Therefore, they don't hire that new employee. And as a matter of fact, those imposed costs on the employees they have now who are generating $9 themselves, therefore they're losing money in each employee. Hours have to be cut so the lemonade stand and Captain Lemonade can actually make money. This is only hard for brain-dead liberals with a seven-inch thick skull who cannot understand basic math. To make matters worse, because those employees at the lemonade stand now are making $9 an hour in revenue for Captain Lemonade Stand, and they have to be paid $15 an hour, what happens? Captain Lemonade Stand has to raise prices on people and customers who then have to pay more for lemonade that only costed one, cost $1 before and now cost $2. I hope these visuals are helping. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. Play that again. That was awesome. <laughs> You're funny. This is good. I like this giving you control. I used to actually call for stuff. Oh, no yeah. more. Joe has got full control. That's, oh, you get it now? I, I, I'm really hoping the visuals here with the fingers up is really making a difference. This, was, this is seriously hard for liberals to figure out. They cannot do basic things like math. This is not even complicated math. It's not functions. It's not derivatives. It's not the quadratic equation here. It's not figuring out multiple variables. This is basic math. Let's raise the minimum wage to 15. Hell, let's raise it to 50. Let's raise it to 1,000. We can't raise it to 1,000. Why not? The, the math is the same as raising it to 15. There's no money. There's no money to pay these employees 15 an hour, so they cut their hours. Just make, let's pay them 2,000 an hour. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And I, I, you know, sometimes I get emails from the audience and I get it. You're like, Dan, you got to be nicer to liberals who are trying to convince me. I, I'm not, I'm done with that. I'm sorry, you're, this is the wrong show. I'm not trying to convince liberals. I'm serious, I'm not. They are so, if you can't convince a liberal that 15 is not the same number as nine. If you there, forget it. This show is meant to convince sound, sane Democrats, independents, and maybe moderate, kind of loose Republicans that math works. It, I am not talking to radical Antifa <laughs> leftists. They are idiots. They don't even do, they can't do basic lemonade stand math. It's paid them 15 an hour. Sure. Okay. That works. We got a request yesterday from someone who shall remain nameless. Hmm. And it was, a, and my wife, I went in to talk to my wife and me and my wife could, we, we could be very sarcastic with each other at times when we're making a joke. And I, I looked at her, I go, yeah, sure. Okay, sure. That's what, <laughs> that's what I say. She knows what I'm talking about. That's, that's what I say to the liberals who want $15 minimum. Yeah, okay, sure. Brilliant. You guys are real geniuses. You're obviously not PhDs in mathematics. Matter of fact, you're not even kindergarten graduates in mathematics. My daughter, seven-year-old, is on her sevens. She can figure this out. She's doing her sevens. She did her sixes last week, and she got a perfect score. The one who wrote this, my favorite note ever. <laughs> Sorry, mommy. How am I going to play when I have to clean up? 
Also, you cannot write on paper with that pen. <laughs> she meant paper. It's one of my favorite. My daughter, my seven-year-old wrote that to my wife. Funniest thing ever. It was an invisible ink pen she was writing uh. all over herself. <laughs> oh, my daughter gets her sevens right and liberals can't figure it out. Minimum wage. Let's make it $21. Yeah, good move. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> you know, this was the one segment of the show. I'm not kidding. Where before the show, I was the least excited about because it's it's so, it's like doing a story about breaking water is wet, you know, and trying to explain <laughs> to sane people why you're trying to explain to liberals why water is wet. But I'm telling you, of all the segments I've done, I actually enjoyed that the most. I don't know why. I don't know where that even came from. You never know, do you? I was inspired. Yeah, no, I don't. Before the show, I never know what's going to like ring my bell. Like that, that Bernie impression we did a few weeks ago. Billionaires oh, yeah. and billionaires. I never, I, I just came out of nowhere and I, we got probably 500 <laughs> emails on people who love the Bernie. We're going to get those millionaires and billionaires. I, I don't know where that came from. All right. Uh, what else? Oh, the Waka guy. This is great. We have reached the state of peak uh, TDS, peak Trump derangement syndrome. And I love clips like this. Let me, I'm going to play the cut first. Let me set it up and I'm going to talk about why. I think it's important afterwards, given my experience working with these media people inside the White House and stuff. But this is a clip of the White House Correspondents Association. WACA in the White House means White House Communications the, the, the Association. It's They're the ones, the military people who run. But this is the White House Correspondents Association. In other words, the press. This guy runs the Correspondents Dinner, the nerd prom in D.C. And this guy gives this speech that I can't believe any rational person would give. And it's the most exaggerated hyperbolic nonsense I've ever heard in my life. Play this cut. The President of the United States called us the enemies of the people. A few days later, I was driving my then 11-year-old son somewhere, probably soccer practice, when he burst into tears and asked me, is Donald Trump going to put you in prison? At the end of a family trip to Mexico, he mused that if the president tried to keep me out of the country, quote, at least Uncle Josh is a good lawyer and he'll get you home. Who? Oh, my gosh, with the drama. Oh, this is a press guy running the Correspondents Association, the press people who celebrate themselves at this goofy dinner they call Nerd Prom. It should be called Dope Prom for, like, the dopes <laughs> who show up at it. They go to this thing, and this self-laudatory, self oh, patting themselves on the back, going, I had to tell my seven-year-old son, is he going to lock you up? He's not going to lock you up, son. He's not. You know what? I wish I could fake tears. I'm not a, I'm not a good actor, obviously, uh, or else I'd be making actor-type money. How do they do that? Did we have an onion? Polly, remember <laughs> remember when we knew each other at the U.S. Open? Polly used to work in RA and cut us. You'd cry all day. We have an onion. I, I need to fake tears. Son. Son. President Trump's not going to lock me up, son. And Uncle Joey or Bobby or Joey Bag of Donuts, whoever his uncle is, who's a lawyer, don't worry, son. Uncle Joey back at Donuts will get us out. Shane! Tears coming out. Look, I'm actually Shane! getting a little teary. Look at that. It's amazing. They're funny. <laughs> my son, my son said to me, my seven-year-old son, this, are, are you crazy? Are you nuts with this speech? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now, oh, I, I don't, my, when, when I used to go out, when you're the new guy, on the president's detail, you get assigned to the press, okay? You're literally the press guy. Like, that's your thing. 
and you follow them around because once we sweep the press in the morning and make sure their equipment doesn't have explosives in or everything, we don't want to sweep the press everywhere we go because it's a waste of explosive ordnance disposal, EOD assets, right? So when you're the press guy, you get up with them in the morning when you're a secret service agent and you follow them around all day and it's, you learn a lot. And I will say this. Some of them are very nice guys. I, I, Brett Bear from Fox, I don't say that because I worked with him. He was always a good dude. And there were even some CNN people who were nice to me at the time. They're not even there anymore. But a lot of them are really, really dopey. And not only are they dopey, a lot of them, they really have a case of the for reals, as we discussed yesterday. They think they are like, I don't, I don't you know, like when, when you're in that situation and it's, and it's an emergency and... I want to explain this right because everybody knows what I'm talking about. But if I don't get this right, you'll be like, what is he talking about? A lot of you cops and firemen and military people know what I'm talking about. But even people in a high stress, you know, corporate environment where you're dealing with deadlines and stuff. There's always that one person that's the drama queen or the drama king in some cases, right? Yeah. Joe, you know, you're in radio, right? When something, oh, yeah. Joe's on live radio. Something breaks down, right? It's a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, when Joe was at WCBM, if something breaks, it's a big deal. Like, your only job is to be on the air on radio. <laughs> People are coming in. And you always get that one guy who comes in, right, Joe? Yep. Ah! What's going on? It's not, dude, it's not helping. Shut up and let's fix this. We have an expression in the Secret Service called, let's say, hitting the bed with an S in front of it. Okay? It's trying to keep it family friendly. That's what we called the guy or the woman who would come in in a crisis in the Secret Service, which happened all the time, and would always be, they think they're in a movie. And in a movie, they see people freaking out. And in the movie, it's Mm -hmm. cool. The aliens are coming. Ah, and everybody screams. It's not cool in real life. You look like a dork. And media people, a lot of them I ran into this, had this case of the for reals where they, oh, everything was a crisis. And they had to like scream and yell about it or seem like everything was so pressing. It's not pressing. Everybody chill. I will never forget being in Indonesia where we... We thought we had, I'm not kidding. We, I was doing this advance for Obama and we thought we had a potential assassin in the hotel. I actually write about it in my first book. Right? We thought we had an assassin in the hotel. We had all this video of him doing crazy stuff <laughs> and nobody was freaking out. We had this expat guy. He was the security guy. We figured it out and we handled it. Everybody chill, chill. We had a flat tire in one of the limos once when we were with Obama and Martha's Vineyard. One of these agents mistakenly ran over. There was a stop sign that had been broken off, but the spike mm-hmm. was in the ground. Oh, so yeah. he's parking a car. All we hear is the tire literally exploded, exploded off. The, the <laughs> spike was like this big. There was, it wasn't a small <laughs> hole. And we had this one guy. Ah, the <laughs> Dude, chill. Obama's out biking. The bike guys got him. We change the tire. We get the jack. Jack the car up. Take the lug nuts off. Break the lug nuts before you jack up the tire so you don't break the lug nuts and throw it off the jack. You take the tire off. You replace the tire. It's not hard. I'm doing my best Sebastian Maniscalco. (laughs) My wife loves him. (laughs) You ever want to see a comedian? It's funny. You take the tire off. You put the new tire on. You chill the out. Go have a Coke in the car. (laughs) Everybody calm down. 
Everybody, as soon as Baniscalcos have a Sanka, everybody chill. My gosh, the drama. I can't take it. I've seen this my whole life. The screamer on the radio in the NYPD. Oh. I'm in a fight person. What? Slow down. You're not helping. I'm in a Dude, you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Are you that out of shape? Hey, I'm in a foot pursuit. Tell us where you are. Stop hitting the bed, if you know what I mean. Yes. Please. We had another term for guys like this, this media guy. My seven-year-old son thinks I'm in jail. I got to get a lawyer, Uncle Tony. We need Uncle Tony to get me out of jail. Trump's going to put the media in jail. Are you this stupid? It's Obama who spied on the AP phone records, the Associated Press, you dunce. Someone get this guy, a sociologist or a psychologist, please, to walk him through like how these things work. This guy has no social IQ at all. <laughs> Look at me. I thought I was going to jail. Oh, calm down. We had another term for guys like this. We used to call him that guy. And uh, you know what that guy was? Uh-huh. That guy, You never want to be that guy. That guy was always that guy. We always had a bed hitter, if you know what I mean. Yes. Nobody wanted him on advances. And when he was on advances, every you'd get this sheet, right? Here's the sheet. She comes out with your advance team. You're a lead advance agent in mm-hmm. the Secret Service. Sorry to keep hammering my work history. I try not to do that too much. But it's important in this case. You get your names. You're the lead. You're at the top. You get a site guy, airport guy, logistics guy, motorcade guy. And then all of a sudden, Joey Bag of Donuts, the bed hitter. And you're like, oh. Oh. You're in the workroom. You're right outside. We had a workroom outside the White House across the street. And you look at your buddies. You go, there's that guy again. There he is. There's that guy. You call ops. Here you go. PPD ops. Hello? Yeah. Marlon was the boss. Of that. Marlon, that guy's on my trip. Dan, you got to take him. Marlon, Marlon, I can't take this guy. He's the bed hitter. You got to take him. No one else wants him. We got that guy. Then you go around the workroom and you're whining the whole day. You almost become that guy because you got that guy on your trip. The guy who panics about everything. The blown tire. Change the tire. Change the tire. The assassin in the hotel room. Let's find a guy and get him the hell out of the hotel room. <gasps> Revolution. No, let's scream about it first. Ah! The guy's <laughs> in the hotel room. Everybody freak out. <sighs> Can we come? Paula, should we title today's show Don't Be That Guy? (laughs) Don't Be That Guy. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to wrap today's show on this. If there was ever a lesson in, what are we at, show 969, Joe? Is that right? Joe and I have now been doing 969 shows. We are almost at a thousand hours of content for you. Actually, a thousand. And one soon, because our first episode got deleted from SoundCloud for reasons that we shall not talk about now. But we have done nearly a thousand plus hours of shows, okay? Soon, coming soon, a thousand hours. And if there was one lesson, it is today. We will end today's show. Please, don't be that guy. I'll see you all tomorrow. 
You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.